Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are now on the third lesson of this third quarter, all about rest in Christ. And this week's title is The Roots of Restlessness. And Pastor Howard, I'm going to tell you, I'm seeing this word rest or restless or restful. A, a lot of, there's so many references to rest and restlessness and whatnot and different manifestations, iterations of this term. You would think the Bible would be just soaked through with this word and we're really taking but it comes across, uh, well, you and I were discussing this before we even started today, that this word restlessness is kind of a, a kind of a broad, squishy, vague term that's, uh, it's, it's hard to find it exactly so specifically Ill defined in scripture. Sure. Yeah. What was the word you were using? Eisegesis? <laughs> it comes across or it could come across in such a way. Well, that... we've, we've, we've taken a word. It's not that it's not a scriptural concept, but then again, it's used so nebulously. Even in our first lesson, we looked at the Bible uses mm -hmm. the word rest in many different ways. And mm -hmm. then we come away with restlessness that we never really defined which one of those definitions. Yeah. And, and then we try to back that into mm -hmm. every Bible story. So it's like, I feel like we're going, we're driving down the freeway in reverse, trying to back into everything. And um, yeah, and then taking that concept of rest or restlessness and putting it into mm. the stories. And mm. not that there isn't an element in there, but mm. I can imagine where some of our Sabbath school teachers would just, they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to have a real problem trying to figure out how to get any kind of linear. Yeah, like thought, continuous train of thought, yeah. Or. It lends itself to what we've constantly talked about against in the Sabbath school, and that is just like, okay, Sunday's lesson, Monday's lesson, and everything is kind of a whole new topic anyway, and so you don't right. really have to have connected Why even thought. Put it in order? It's like, yeah. here's going to be our open-ended discussion on Sunday, and here's going to be our open-ended discussion yeah. on Monday. And so, but if you're a teacher who's really trying to come through with a linear thought and come away with a conclusion, it, it, it could be a challenge. Yes, but However, challenge accepted, and uh, right. at least for you and I, we like to think in these A leads to B, therefore C kind of lines. And uh, and if you totally like love, love, like like this is the best quarterly we ever have ever, hey. Praise the Lord. Or, yeah, amen. Live it up. That's great. Uh, but as we go through our talking points, we're, going to be, we're trying to do that more linear, like uh, drawing out a continuous thought. So uh, having said that, I want to go through this week's lesson and then our talking points that go with it. But why don't you start us with a word of prayer? Absolutely. And then we'll dive in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the privilege we have of knowing you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, and being able to have that rest that comes only through that relationship. We just pray now you would guide our talking points um, presentation, that it would be a benefit to those Sabbath school teachers and students, Lord, as we're all students of the Word, to help us grow closer to Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me very quickly walk through what I saw in this week's lesson, and I'll show you how we got the talking points out of it. First of all, Sabbath Afternoon has a great illustration about the aspen trees that you see on the surface are actually the smaller part of the organism, which the network of roots underneath is much longer and much older. And similarly, in our lives, we see surface restlessness mm -hmm. and symptoms, but there's a deeper underlying thing. So that's going to be a big focus. Kind of like an iceberg, only the roots, they spread exactly. out Exactly. It's everywhere. a whole bigger thing underneath. A and that's what we're, the purpose of this week's lesson, titled yeah. The Roots of Restlessness, try to get to underlying causes. I like yeah. that. All okay? right. Well, Sunday then said Jesus brings division 
And then Thursday says uprooting restlessness, and it says overcoming restlessness always begins with Jesus. So the cure and the addressing of the problem is found really on Sunday and Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then it's only Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that you get the actual underlying causes, which are selfishness, ambition, and hypocrisy. Okay. okay. So with all that being said, how I've reorganized it, yeah, at least in my mind. Yeah, let's hear our talking points this all week. All right, well, the introduction says, This week our lesson examines some underlying causes of spiritual restlessness, namely selfishness, ambition, and hypocrisy. Sounds like sin to me. <laughs> it's going it's to sound a lot like <laughs> sin as we go on. Furthermore, we'll see that the cure for those, those afflictions is found only in Jesus. Okay, so number one, restlessness is a symptom of deeper disease. Mm-hmm. And that, again, primarily from Sabbath afternoon, okay. where it gives us that illustration. So that's interesting. Tree. That's a first kind of, I think, for a primary point yes. from Sabbath afternoon. I'm delighted. Now, we did add a text in there that we'll get to in a minute, but restlessness this is number a, one. Folks, this is a, this is a quarter of beginnings. We had four talking points last in our that's last true. presentation, and now We're turning Sabbath over afternoon, and yet you came away with a talking point from Sabbath afternoon and kept it to three talking points. Beautiful. Beautiful. Number two, talking <laughs> yes. number, selfishness is the root cause of restlessness. No pun intended, right? Aspen <laughs> no. trees, roots, and the root cause. Go ahead. It goes together <laughs> thematically. It's nice. It's not, it is pun intended. Okay, the root cause of restlessness is selfishness. Now, it's mm-hmm. going to come from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We look at selfishness, ambition, yes. and hypocrisy. Finally, talking point number three. Only Christ can treat our true spiritual disease, those root causes, mm-hmm. those resolutions. Only Anything else we do is going to be putting a Band-Aid on things but not healing the problem. So we're going All to look right. at that. Let's go back to number one. Restlessness is a symptom of deeper disease. All now, right. In the church, and probably in our lives, even apart from the church, we, we tend to have this thing. We have a problem. We might have a headache or we might have a some other symptom physically or you know emotionally or socially and we try to put our finger right on that when the real issue might be some much larger like a, a, some disease process or a tumor right. or something underneath right and so I've written here that we often treat restlessness or similarly negative conditions like anxiety fear or discouragement as a problem to be addressed itself when there are merely symptoms of greater spiritual problems beneath and the analogy given here um, in the lesson there is about the aspen tree and it was interesting that talks about how in the second paragraph there individual aspen trees can live up to 150 years but the larger organism below the ground can live for thousands of years so it's very large it's very long and likewise in our lives we might have little symptoms of sin like restlessness or whatever pop up and be an agitation in our life but there's a significant problem underneath right this is very so, well-developed root system. So let's look it up. Well, why don't you read the this, this Sabbath paragraph 3 quote that we have there in the lesson. Sure. Uh, uh, there are many things that can prevent us from finding true rest in Jesus. Some of these are obvious and don't require much attention. Others may be less obvious to us, as with the huge aspen organism seen beneath the ground, we may not always be conscious of the attitudes and actions that separate us from our Savior. Interesting. Attitudes and actions that do what? Separate, Separate us from, from our, our Savior. Savior. And that, if, if you know, <laughs> I'm not even that Any great of a scholar, of exactly, we, but it didn't take long to come up with Isaiah chapter 59. We went through the whole book of Isaiah, and this was in exactly that Exactly right. And those same phrasings are found there, and it outlines where we're heading yes. next, right? Isaiah 59, uh, verses 1 and 2. Why don't you go ahead and read that one? Are you there? 
Well, you're close to there. Close Say to amen there. when you get there. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there it is. Amen. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Aha. Uh -huh. So the separation that the lesson calls attitudes and actions that separate us, mm -hmm. well, the Bible calls those transgressions, iniquities, or sins well, that separate. Well, just to be clear about this, we, in our former lessons, mm -hmm. And this is my takeaway. I hope I'm taking away this properly. In our former lessons, it appears that we're using restlessness as a way to describe the effects of sin yes. on humanity. And so it's just this big term that's used, that's current, whether it be anxiety or fear, as you said, or just desire for something else that I don't know yeah. what that something else is. And so you would expect that the roots of restlessness then, or the cause of restlessness as it is, is sin. Yeah, so sin is the underlying cause. So they kind yeah. of, this whole lesson again is called the root of restlessness and it's gonna be found in that sin problem. That and we have. sin in this root idea is ex far more extensive than yes. we often recognize it to be. You're right, it's not just a one-off, oh, I've just got discouragement or anxiousness. So you've got a sin problem that leads to all these little manifestations. Which is what, develops into talking point number two really exactly so this is that. that linear thought then so if the restlessness we experience what you call the effects of sin that we notice on the surface are actually rooted in this deeper sin problem now we're ready to start examining what is the sinfulness inside of us that's springing up into these effects. well specifically the what acts of sin what are the what are the types of things that will right. feed into and the that. lesson does a good pro uh, process here monday tuesday and wednesday not only if randomly, and I don't know if this was intentional, but I thought it was very nice how the selfishness that's addressed on Monday yeah. leads to the ambition on Tuesday, which leads necessitates to, some hypocrisy yes. if you're going to accomplish. So there's a linear flow here in talking point number two, but selfishness is the root cause of restlessness. Yes. Now, quarterly uh, on Monday, paragraph one says, as is the case of the Aspen and its larger underground system, selfishness is part of the a huge underground system called sin, which keeps us from finding true rest in Christ. Mm -hmm. I love that. I would only tweak it a little bit when it says selfishness is part of the huge underground system called sin. <laughs> Sister White has, in Manuscript Release yes. Volume 3, this fascinating statement. All sin is selfishness. <laughs> there you go. All sin is selfishness. If Satan's first sin was selfishness, he sought to grasp power and to exalt self. Okay, so we can... You're familiar with another yeah. statement where Ellen White talks about how when she sees the ledger books of heaven, as it were, mm. that every other sin came under, under one heading. general heading, selfishness. Self. Yeah. So clearly and repeatedly, Mrs. White, as you brought out, strips away all of our... Could mean this, could be this. She's like the root cause, the singular <laughs> root cause out of which everything else flows is... Mm -hmm the sin of selfishness, yes. okay? Now, in Luke 12, Jesus uh, gives this parable a warning, and you were probably familiar with it. We don't have to read and, through And before it. you dive into the parable, I think yeah. the important takeaway from this is we, especially as Christians, you tend to want to define sin as murder and adultery and theft and things that we, you know, some Christians fall into, but as a rule, as Christians, we don't... Mm -hmm. A don't, naughty you know, activity that yeah. you can clearly avoid. Versus selfishness, which we all have, and would lend to this idea of this um, 
almost imperceptible extensive root system right well a systemic we selfishness that's yeah. ingrained in now that we're now obviously we weren't created with that so but it's now not just those come, bad evil people right it's, me. it's everybody thus you see <laughs> in the this. old and the new testament yes. all have sinned right it's all are unrighteous and it's that selfish desire that's in each so one of us so you're referring to this parable luke chapter the, 12 jesus um and a lesson brings this out and i think it's a good one to look at jesus tells this parable about the uh, the dangers of and the warning against right. selfishness and how it springs up so naturally. Uh, starting with verse 16, now there's some introductory before, but let's, mm-hmm. the, the heart of it is starting with verse 16. Why don't you read verses 16 um, through, what are we going to go through here? 21, I believe. Okay, then he spoke of parables to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. (laughs) Now, I, I don't know why I chuckle at this, but he's like, I had this great thing, and I said to myself, Self? and I said to myself, Self, soul, you know. But what is his thinking? He's like, well, hey, there's some opportunity here. And his initial thought is, how can I keep it for myself? Yes. How can I keep more for myself? Mm-hmm. How can I build bigger barns? When that was supposed to be an opportunity, that excess, an opportunity to be selfless, mm-hmm. he turns it into a, 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 a symptom of selfishness and builds the bigger barns. Yes, there could be an entire lesson on that. There could be an entire lesson. And Jesus aptly calls this man a what? A fool. He said, that yes. is foolishness. And uh, it's the, again, the root cause of all these other issues. Now, what I'd like to highlight, instead of just always the negative, the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, points out examples of sincere followers of Jesus who, when they have the opportunity to give to others, actually do it. Yes. So why don't you look up uh, the uh, New Testament, Acts chapter 2 and Acts sure. chapter 4, just real quickly, and I'll show you the... Uh, Exodus chapter 16, the Old Testament. Now, Exodus 16, we've already looked at in the covenant lesson last time about how the Lord was establishing his people and his ways. And one of the ways was the gift of manna, right? And there's this interesting statement about when the manna was first poured out in verse 18 of Exodus 16, where it says, So when they measured it by omers, he who had gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered each according to each one's need. Now, in the New Testament and in Patriarchs and Prophets, and if you'd ever like to look this up, it's Patriarchs and Prophets, page 295, and the Apostle Paul's interpretation of this story Mm -hmm. in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 through 15. But essentially, the way that this worked out, it's not, because you could read it and think like, wait a minute, somebody gathered a lot and they had just barely had what they needed. And the others didn't gather enough but, but it they was also just got a miracle. Somebody it was, just was miraculous. No. Miraculously more hungry or, exactly. or less hungry. So they just got when the reality is those who had gathered more. Can we read what Paul says? Yeah, go ahead. Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verse um, thirteen says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by inequality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also may supply your lack, that there may be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. That's exactly right. And again, Sister White talks about the way that this works. It wasn't some um, 
It's just it's a miracle of the manna that everyone just accidentally got the wheel. Right. He said, look, some people gathered a lot and realized they had more, so they gave to those who hadn't gathered That's enough. Exactly right. And that was the spirit of these people when they wanted to follow Jesus. Which was a miracle. <laughs> Which in itself is miraculous. <laughs> you see the same thing in the New Testament. I was going to say, selflessness we, is Acts miraculous. 2 and 4, those yes. verses there. Um, 44 and 45. Acts 2, 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Same exact thing. When the message was preached again in Acts chapter 4. 4 verse 32. Mm -hmm. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now I think that is fascinating that both the Old and the New Testament, the people who are sincerely desirous of following Jesus, immediately recognize their obligation to others. And manifest selflessness. Exactly. And so yeah. there's the change of heart exhibits that, that root issue, exposes mm -hmm. it, I should say. Now, the lesson went beyond selfishness, which was covered in Monday, to Tuesday talking about ambition. Mm -hmm. Now, there isn't an actual like definition of them there, but I just basically assume that we all agree that ambition is the desire for self-promotion. Mm -hmm. So not only do I want my first interest to be me, but I want to climb the ladder mm -hmm. of society. Seeking so, more for myself. Exactly. So I want bigger than others. I want better. I want higher. I want more, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's ambition. And it's the natural manifestation of the symptom uh, of the cause of selfishness, the root cause. So if I am selfish, as the barn issue showed, then if I have an opportunity for more, I'm going to take it. Right. And that's the manifestation of selfishness is ambition. And we don't have to go through each one of these texts, but I thought it was fascinating that Scripture repeatedly, here the Apostle Paul, connects linguistically mm -hmm. the terms selfish and ambition. He calls it selfish right. ambition, right? It's a, Selfish is a modifier for ambition, that there is no ambition that's not... No. What, perhaps there's an ambition, a godly, you know, you're supposed to be in a position, but here it is... It's equated with selfishness. It's mm -hmm. the manifestation of it. 2 Corinthians 12.20, Galatians 5.20, Philippians 1.16, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. He uses right. the phrase selfish ambition. Yes. Now, all of that has a history deep before even man came into existence, right? right? This was the, when she said, remember that statement? All sin is yeah. selfish. Satan's first sin was selfishness. Mm -hmm. Why don't you take us to Isaiah 14? Well, and, and right after that, Satan's first sin was selfishness. He sought to grasp power. Mm -hmm. That's ambition. Exactly right. And so, right, and, and, and then she says, to grasp power, comma, to exalt self. Exactly. So, selfishness leads to self-exaltation, which is where that ambition comes in. Exactly. Now, you wanted me to look at what? Well, Isaiah chapter 14. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm already there. Sure. So, why don't you read that one? Um, but... Look at how these con concepts play so naturally into each other. When the prophet Isaiah is lamenting the fall of Satan, he says, How, in verse 12 of right. Isaiah 14, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said, in your heart. I... Now, by the way, that in your heart phrase, put a little tag on that. We're going to mm -hmm. come back and revisit that in just a minute. There's a reason it was in his heart. Mm -hmm. But for you said in your heart, I will ascend, ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the yes. farthest side of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like 
the Most High. So not only was he selfish, everything's I, yes. I, 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 but what does it lead him to do? Want to more, want more, more for himself. Uplift, ascend, arise, all those kind of things. Regardless how high he was, and exactly. What his and you position, think about it, where was he? The highest of all created beings. Exactly. He was the very right hand man of God. According to scripture, he was the ordained minister. He was the So you can think that chair. when I reach this certain pinnacle in this world, I'll, I won't be as selfish. Yeah. That's not true. We you see ever that, think that, about that in money? Oh, go ahead. You finish I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's often those who have the most that just keep clamoring for more, like the yes. rich man with his barns. Exactly. And you look at some of the, and I'm not going to name names, but there's public figures who are worth not just millions but literal <laughs> billions of dollars. And and you would think, like, at what point would you be like, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to retire. I'm going to pass on to my... You could pass on to 10 generations worth of wealth and still all of them be comfortable. But they're, like, acquiring this and yes. strategy. It's almost like it's beyond money. It's not yeah. even what money can buy for you. It's just the... It's a disease. It's a disease of self and self. <laughs> it's incredible. Mm. Now, we talked about... So you've got selfishness, which leads to, to ambition. selfish ambition. right. But in order to, now, this is where I thought it was particularly fascinating. It was Wednesday's highlights hypocrisy. Is this where you're going to say Lucifer said in his heart? Were you tying exactly. that to this? Now, the reason hypocrisy, I think, and this is just my surmising, but it's pretty good, so I'm going to share with you. <laughs> hypocrisy, I've written here, is a necessary accessory to selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be selfish and you're going to try to climb the ladder amongst other people, Ironically, because nobody likes a selfish person, right? Exactly. Even though everybody is a selfish person, uh, right? So if I were to be selfish, I'm like, oh, I, I want for me, and it's in me. But Can if you I believe see selfish, that guy? You're like that Mark Howard, you know? He's so. And so, ironically, while we are all inherently selfish due to our fallen nature, we detest yes. the selfishness of others. Right. We're like, oh, that's disgusting. That's gross. So, in order to accomplish our and we recognize <laughs> enough of that to realize I don't want to look that way. Exactly. And the whole, it takes one and no one. I can spot it in others because I've got it in me. And so hypocrisy, if you're going to be selfishly ambitious, is a necessary mm. accessory. Like, yes. I have to cover it. Oh, well, what does the lesson call hypocrisy? Look at that definition there from uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday's paragraph, paragraph 3, it says, according to Jesus, we are hypocrites. If... Oh, I'm sorry, paragraph 1. Oh, I'm sorry. Just... A hypocrite is somebody who play acts, who wants to appear to be somebody he or she is not. So why would it be important for a selfish, ambitious person to play act? Just go straight for the thing you want. Because nobody likes a selfish, nobody likes that, person. right? And so when we go back to Isaiah, for you have said in your heart, Ezekiel does the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. you and you you were filled with uh, violence, violence within. within, right? Mm -hmm. It was all within. Now think about this: if Satan yeah. were to go around the courts, Lucifer at this point, we're going around the courts of heaven, saying, saying the things we read in Isaiah 14 out loud. I'm going to ascend. I'm, right. Everybody's like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> so you have to like that cover so it in a glossy little right. coating of like piety and, and humility, supposed humility, and that's exactly what the when Jesus rebuked the hypocrisy, especially of the religious leaders, that was the issue. It's not that they were inherently selfish, because everybody he ran into right. was. The publicans, the, the prostitutes, everybody was naughty and bad, selfish. 
But they were in positions. Yeah, right. Woe could, to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Right, because they were looked to as the opposite of that. And yes. so they were using their position as a cover for their selfish ambition. He yeah, said it's that. important to note that because when we read the scripture, when we see the Pharisees, we see them through the lens of scripture, mm. which pulls off their disguise. Yes. We're like, oh, those guys are bad. But if we had lived in those days, sure. they would have been the people that appeared to be the most pious and spiritual. And that's why even the disciples, when they were like, how can we get in if right. they, if it, not even them? Right. He's like, our, our, what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Your, your righteousness Unless has to exceed righteousness even exceeds the, that, like, the scribes and the Pharisees. To them, that was the height of all righteousness. Well, yes. And he's like, no, no, this is all fake, right? So there's a natural, what I was trying to draw out here is that selfishness is the root cause, which leads to the manifestation mm -hmm. in ambition, yes, which then has to be covered with hypocrisy. And Christ in his ministry was trying to strip That's away right. all those things and point to the root, which is So where hypocrisy can appear to be the height of righteousness, as we mentioned with the Pharisees, there is a height of all righteousness. Yeah. And that moves us into point number three. Love it. Only Christ can treat our true spiritual disease, right? Mm -hmm. We can address hypocrisy and ambition and even selfishness on our own, but it's only going to be a band-aid. It's only going to be touching the surface. The true issue is the need for Christ, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's look at a few texts here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I'll read Matthew 10. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, now you don't even need to look it up. <laughs> well, there's a few words i got to refresh myself. On. Okay. But yes, that's the point, that the Word of God has this sharp property to it, that it cuts us. Were you looking at another, or are you waiting me to finish I was that? waiting for you. You D said, oh, Yeah, I'm still getting there. I, dividing asunder, and I, I always... The you do it, with drop it in I, the King James. I drop it in the King James. I've got, so, King James, New King James, I got mixed in between the two. That's why in our outlines, I take all the quarterly stuff and put them in one version. Mm. <laughs> it's neat to have different versions when you are trying to memorize something. But those down. versions become what you just said, diversions. Yes, <laughs> piercing even to the division of, mm. versus dividing asunder from the King James. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Let me start again. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, that's interesting. It's a sword. It's sharper than a sword. So it's not just a sword. It's something sharper than a sh it sword. It cuts things that in their day were next to impossible to separate. Right. It gets down to the, the, the bone and marrow, the actual, of the spiritual yes. heart of the matter, right? Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that Hebrews says that the Word of God is the sword. By the way, I mean, uh, where is it? Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 17 calls the sword of the Spirit the Word yes. of God, right? That's right. That it's the Word of God who the purpose of it is to cut. And then Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39, with these words. Um, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And the thought hits me, Pastor Howard, how many preachers today, especially the big popular megachurch pastor mm -hmm. folks, all they want to do is preach peace. Like, mm -hmm. I want to have something that makes you makes sounds good, it makes you feel good, and coats all the symptoms. But Jesus said, I came here to be part of the root issue, right? To, yes. to get in there. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who does mm-hmm. not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses life for my sake will find it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that anything wrong with family ties or mm-hmm. natural affections, but... We're talking about prioritization. Exactly. Christ has come to cut away what we think are the best things or, what, or our root causes of sin mm-hmm. and instead to give us the mind of Christ, which mm-hmm. Philippians chapter 2 talks about. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now think about this description compared to Isaiah 14's Lucifer mm-hmm. description where he wants for himself and himself and himself, but here Christ comes down. It says he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, so because of that humility, God also has highly exalted him. So there's nothing wrong with being lifted up, as long as Christ mm-hmm. is the one who's doing the lifting, and you find yeah, your identity humble in yourself, humble yourself, and, and he, he will lift you up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly the case. So I like the content of this week's lesson, though I've reordered it in a mm-hmm. way that works for my linear. But the the theme of the root cause of all of our restlessness yes. being the selfish, sinful, ambitious, right. hypocritical life that's underneath that's us all. Right. That is So huge. where we may so so easily want to point to everywhere else as the reason my life isn't better. Exactly. It really is that root of selfishness that only Jesus can heal. So true. Now, with our last closing minute here, why don't we read our concluding, because they yes. had some great statements on Friday's lesson. Well, uh, Christ Object Lesson 67, 68 says, There can be no growth or fruitfulness in this life that is in the life that is centered in self. If you have accepted Christ as a personal Savior, you are to forget yourself and try to help others. As you receive the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of unselfish love and labor for others, you will grow and bring forth fruit. The graces of the Spirit will ripen your character, your faith will increase, your convictions deepen, your love be made perfect. More and more you will reflect the likeness of Christ in all that is pure, noble, and lovely. Mm. And we could have left it there, but there's that one statement from Early Writings, page 119. And in the context, it's written to the church, but it applies across our whole experience. It sure does. If pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties. You want some practical instruction to take away from a lesson? That's the one. Lay down the pride, selfishness aside, and let Christ do his work in us. And Mm -hmm. those tensions, those wrestling, would resolve. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So there's great stuff in this week's lesson. I think there's a wonderful opportunity for some rich lesson studies. But it's time to close this episode down so Pastor Howard can give us a word of prayer. Father in heaven, again, we are just thankful for the testimony of your word. And Lord, you know the depth of our sin deeper than, uh, and more thoroughly than we do, how extensive it is. But Lord, we want you to take those roots of sin out of our heart so that we can have that rest and peace in Jesus. We want his selfless character instead of our selfish characters. Lord, mm-hmm. uh, this is not something we can do for ourselves, but we trust that you can and will do it for us. We thank you uh, for the sacrifice of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus in our behalf. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.